Welcome back to the 10 Blocks Podcast. I'm Brian Anderson, the editor of City Journal. Coming up on the show today, we have a special discussion for our listeners. My colleague and longtime City Journal contributor Kay Heimwitz will interview Carol Markowitz. She's a columnist for the New York Post about some of the risks and rewards of raising a family in the city. As they'll note in the interview, Carol and Kay both live in Park Slope, the quintessential family-friendly neighborhood of Brooklyn, where they both raised, or in Carol's case, are still raising young children. It's a topic we've written about in the past at City Journal, and the conversation will be of interest to any urban parents out there, or parents generally. It's a terrific interview, and I know you'll enjoy it. A couple of quick announcements before we get started. First, our parent organization, the Manhattan Institute, is seeking nominations for its annual Civil Society Awards. If you're a longtime listener to the podcast, you've probably heard us talking about this before. It's our way of celebrating the hard work of effective nonprofit organizations across the country. This upcoming fall, four winners will each receive $25,000 for their efforts to solve our most pressing social challenges. If you know of an exceptional nonprofit leader who, with the help of volunteers and philanthropic donors, is strengthening their community, visit www.civilsocietyawards.com and submit a nomination for them. That's www.civilsocietyawards.com. Finally, our listeners will want to make sure they keep an eye out for new essays from City Journal's Winter 2020 issue. Last week, we released online Park McDougall's terrific essay on the intra-Catholic debate about liberalism and democracy, which has garnered a lot of attention, and E.J. McMahon on the growing regional divide in New York State's economy, an essay which was adapted in the New York Post. You can see the full lineup from the new issue on our website, www.city-journal.org. That's it for the introduction. The conversation between Kay Heimowitz and Carol Markowitz begins after this. everybody. This is Kay Heimowitz. I'm a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute and a contributing editor at the Institute City Journal. And I'm going to be talking today to Carol Markowitz. She is a, a columnist at the New York Post, uh, a, a terrific columnist at the New York Post, uh, and a, uh, also for the purposes of this conversation, it's important to mention, she's also a mother of three children in Park Slope. Uh, we're going to be talking today about raising children in the city uh, and some of the problems and some of the some of the gifts of raising children in New York City, in particular. Um, and I'm going to take the um, prerogative of mentioning a little bit about why I'm doing the interviewing here. I um, am considerably older than Carol. Considerably. <laughs> <laughs> well, we won't go into that. Stop. But I uh, <laughs> moved into Park Slope. I actually bought a house in Park Slope with my husband in 1982. So that really dates me. Park Slope, which is now uh, so far beyond the uh, price range of, um, of what I could have afforded in those days, but in those days it was manageable with a little bit of parental help. 
Uh, and uh, it was still what real estate agents called transitional. Mm-hmm. And what that meant was it's a little bit of crime still. Uh, it was not a fully gentrified, not even partially gentrified neighborhood. There were some pockets of gentrification, but uh, there were many, many blocks that uh, middle-class families tried to avoid. Um, and even a, uh, there was even a uh, subway stop that uh, uh, down by Fourth Avenue for those listeners who are familiar with the area uh, that um, I wouldn't I wouldn't have walked down towards. Uh, so uh, it was a very different neighborhood than it is now. But I did raise three children there. It was a time that I and I came from the suburbs and I had grown up in the suburbs. So it was kind of a I don't want to say it was a radical move, but it was an unusual move for my immediate peer group, um, although things were changing, and a lot of my college friends did did move to New York and to other cities. So at any rate, I have been a mother in New York City. Uh, now I'm a grandmother in New York City, uh, and we'll have some comments about some of the changes that have occurred um, but for now, let me uh, turn it over to Carol and say, tell us a little bit about your decision-making that, that brought you to Park Slope. So I grew up in Flatbush, Brooklyn, and it's funny when, you, when I hear people who live in Park Slope for a long time talk about it. I know it wasn't what it is now, but for us who lived in Flatbush, Park Slope was basically Manhattan. It was, you, you got dressed up to go to Park Slope. <laughs> you, you know, you put on nice clothes and you went out to like a restaurant in Park Slope, and that was a very standard, you know, kind of thing to do. Um, and it might have been, you know, it wasn't in the 80s necessarily. It was, you know, closer to the 90s, but... Um, yeah, so um, my childhood home was in Flatbush, and then my teenage home uh, was in Bensonhurst. So I refer to those neighborhoods back then sort of as real Brooklyn, uh-huh. <laughs> very ethnic. Yes. Um, you don't hear a lot of English in those neighborhoods even today. Um, and it was a, a complicated childhood where my early years was in a very crime-ridden neighborhood, but New York has changed so drastically that that same neighborhood now has, you know, multi-million dollar houses and um, it's gentrified in a really big way. So um, I think the New York of my childhood is so vastly different than the New York we live in today. The one we live in today is so much safer and um, so much better in so many different ways that it's an easy decision to stay here and raise your children here. Yeah, one way I like to <clears throat> capture that uh, change, at least for uh, people like myself, middle-class parents in the city, is that when my oldest child, my son, uh, went to overnight camp when he was about 10, uh, he um, said that whenever he met kids at camp in his bunk or, or just met them around camp, uh, from the suburbs, they would say, you're from Brooklyn? Right. Have you ever been <laughs> shot? <laughs> right. Then, uh, you know, fast forward nine or ten years, and he comes home from college, and he says, why does everyone want to, everybody want to move to yeah, Brooklyn? Exactly. So. It's a very, so when I say I'm from Brooklyn now, like on Twitter, they yeah. picture, like, pickle stores and, like, you know, hipsters, and I'm like, no, 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 no. I- I'm from Brooklyn. Yeah. I, the real Brooklyn, the, yeah. the, you know. Yeah. Actual Brooklyn. So, yeah, it means something very different today. Yeah, yeah. Um, So uh, tell us a little bit about what you see as the 
uh, benefits of mm-hmm. raising your children in in the city. Um, we'll get to the obvious down downsides in yeah. a bit, but let's talk about what's what's neat about it. Um, so I, I think that it's a misconception that kids grow up faster because they're in the city, but they do have a certain um, maturity to them that I really appreciate. I remember being you know, 15 years old and meeting two boys who lived in Manhattan and they ordered cafe lattes and, you know, we were teenagers and yet they knew what a cafe latte was. Um, My kids have a fairly sophisticated, uh, let's say, not not all of them, but (laughs) my daughter has a very sophisticated palate. She has favorite restaurants. Um, They enjoy things like, they you know, going to the Museum of Natural History is a very standard thing to do on a weekend. Um, They're exposed to a lot of culture in a very casual way. It's not like we visit somewhere and pack it all in. It's just part of our everyday life. Um, I also appreciate just the various diversity, uh, both racial, economic, um, and, you know, political. Uh, We live, you know, in a very, very liberal area, Park Slope, but I'm a conservative. I'm very open about it. I have a lot of conservative friends. Um, I'm I was born in the Soviet Union, and so Russians in Brooklyn are very conservative. Um, And so I I know people sort of from a very vast range of perspectives and just a a lot of different walks of life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we have the benefits of the cultural scene. Mm -hmm. Um, What about just logistics of getting kids around that kind of thing? I mean, just walking, being able to walk to most places is a gigantic benefit. Um, We just, on on a weekend or on a weekday or whatever, we could step out to dinner and just go to our corner. We have two restaurants literally on our corner. Um, Recently, I, I... mentioned something on Twitter about letting my nine-year-old go to the store by herself and all these people were like you know but they drive to the store I'm I can step out of my house and see my daughter go to the store on the corner and she you know it's the bodega and she's gonna we only moved there a few months ago but she's going to know that bodega owner very well (laughs) and um so yeah I, I really like the the condensed nature of it makes it so easy and accessible and you know, living a few, when I lived a few blocks away from a supermarket, that was weird and wow. You know, I live far from a supermarket, and now I have two within mm-hmm. a block of me. Um, it's it's very nice to have all the convenience of it. Yeah, the irony is that uh, when I was raising my kids uh, in uh, you know, President Street in Park Slope. Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, our son in particular would be outside playing in the street. Right. You know, he played football with yeah. with local kids, um, other kids who lived in the area, and yeah. um, that you never see that anymore. Right. Now there's a lot more traffic. To right. Be right. Yeah. Um, recently, my two sons were my old, my middle son's getting into uh, ice hockey, and he just just gotten a stick and a puck, so they were kind of just playing on the sidewalk. The the one really nice day we had recently, um, it it still is not, I you know, for all the complaints about traffic in the city, it's really not that bad, and um, I I don't know, it, it definitely feels safe in a way that my childhood did not. Um, in a in a really specific way, um, just 
I, I have no fears about my kids being outside and nothing happening to mm -hmm. them. And I don't know that my parents necessarily had those fears, but I feel like there is this atmosphere of, um, you know, the whole helicopter parenting, but keeping your kids mm -hmm. very, under a very watchful eye. And I, I don't necessarily feel like that's so necessary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the things that I remember noticing recently when I was walking down the street was a uh, father who was walking his, um, I would say, four or five-year-old somewhere, and he, they stopped at a corner, and he said, well, do you want to go down Union or Berkeley? <laughs> <laughs> those, those are the kinds of questions. I thought he was asking for trouble <laughs> by doing that, but never mind. That's right. kind of typical Park Slope parenting. Yeah, absolutely. You, you have to go down the street where they put out the most, you know, uh, I call it Park Slope stoop crap, like where everybody leaves yes. their stuff yeah. outside. Like Park Slope has a culture of, like my daughter collects books, you know, that we that people leave outside. We've we have gotten hundreds of dollars of, of free books just from the street. Yeah. Um, it's it's very nice. Yeah. I, I always say if I had known growing up in Flatbush that the people in Park Slope were just leaving books outside, <laughs> <laughs> that would have been very exciting to me. <laughs> well, of course, people do um, uh, pour into the area for Halloween for right. exactly that yeah, reason. Yeah. Because it is a very kid-centric neighborhood. Right. Uh, probably a lot more than some of the others. Absolutely. In, in oh, it's city. extremely. Yeah. I think Park Slope is made for families. Yeah. Well, it, that's its reputation for better and worse. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. Um, the uh, uh, what? What? You know, I want to at least make a passing mention of the housing problem, right. which is probably uh, one of the first issues that people who are considering where to live are concerned about, as they should be. Uh, as I mentioned before, this uh, it affected me, but not, not as much uh, as I think it does now. Um, the odd thing is, I'll just throw this out there for, not as, not as, um, not with no complaint in, 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 uh, involved at all. But uh, I, a lot of the people my age who moved there to raise their children mm -hmm. 30 years ago are what's called aging in place. <laughs> They're mm -hmm. not moving, right. which is just an absurd waste of space. <laughs> but uh, for various tax reasons and mm -hmm. other reasons, it's, uh, it makes sense. So we are, hoard we are hoarding right. from right. you guys, yeah. you, that your generation. <laughs> Uh, but the housing problem is, is terrible, I know, for, uh, for younger, younger families, mm -hmm. um, and especially if you uh, want to have more than one or two children. Now, you have three. I have three, yeah. So tell us about, <laughs> tell us about the housing um, issue for you. It's definitely been complicated. We've gotten lucky in some ways. I think we've hit the market in, at really right points, and that's you know almost entirely luck. Um, our first two children we had in my husband's bachelor apartment on the Upper West Side. They lived in a room that the rest of America would consider a very nice closet. <laughs> um, so when the second child was born, we started really looking in Brooklyn, and it was a good time to buy, and we um, bought a very nice apartment, but it, I, I, again, for non-New Yorkers, it was between 4th and 5th Avenue, which was a little bit up and coming, yeah. um, although I loved it. I thought it was really great. Um, it wasn't super busy. It was um, just convenient enough for a lot of things. Um, and then we had our third child, and suddenly this apartment that we had considered, first of all, gigantic compared to my husband's bachelor apartment, um, suddenly was extremely tight. Mm -hmm. And we had always planned to have three children. We had just never really 
planned it. <laughs> we just planned where to put we, them. <laughs> right. We hadn't considered that another person would be living with us. We just wanted three kids. Um, <laughs> so um, our youngest child arrived, and we very quickly realized we had to move. Um, and we sold our apartment um, just a few years after buying it at a very nice profit. Um, the way New York real estate sometimes goes, it, that's, you know, the, the good side of it. Um, and we got a bigger place. So it's been interesting. Um, I think one of the challenges, and I know, I mean, I, I assume you're a free marketer, like <laughs> we're sitting here at Manhattan Institute, I think we all are. Um, but, you know, one of the challenges is I we definitely just need more supply, right? Yeah. But then you have these beautiful historic areas and what makes them so yeah. beautiful and historic, these like, you know, townhouses all in a row or, uh, you know, it, it, it's very hard to say, okay, let's tear these down and build some high rises. Mm -hmm. But that's sort of a little bit what's needed. Um, and in areas like Park Slope and Gowanus and Carroll Gardens, they are doing that yeah. um, in some parts of it. Yeah. So th we just need more inventory. And look, what's happening right now in Manhattan is actually a very interesting case where these developers built these um, you know, three to four million dollar apartments that are now sitting empty uh, because it turns out there's just not enough people who want three to four million dollar apartments. Right. But the, you know, the 800,000, 1 million, 1.5 million, they just didn't, they haven't been making those. Mm -hmm. And those would be very popular. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I have to imagine there's a developer out there saying, He's, I will make these. Yeah, <laughs> He's got to figure it out. Yeah. yeah. Well, we like to believe the market will. <laughs> I do like to believe that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just well, may take time. I, you know, I should, I should mention, given that we're uh, speaking from the Manhattan Institute, that we have uh, done a lot of work mm -hmm. on housing. Uh, I'm not going to go into the weeds on that right. now. But uh, for anybody who's listening who might have an interest in that area, uh, uh, you should uh, look on the City Journal website or, or the Manhattan-Institute.org website, uh, and you'll find plenty to keep you busy. Uh, we have a number of housing experts on staff. So the housing problem we cannot clear up for any listeners. Um, <laughs> for now, uh, just to say we recognize that we're both very fortunate very. Uh, to have places to live in these areas and um, uh, uh, recognize how difficult it is for, mm -hmm. for many others. Uh, and they don't, many people don't have the privilege of being able to even consider living in, right. living the way we do in the city. Um, now, um, I, we need to get to the big kahuna, uh, <laughs> which I, I, you know, I see as the largest uh, yeah. problem pressing uh, young young parents in particular. Um, not the not for the youngest children, but getting to be about four or five, uh, and then uh, uh, from then on, uh, the education question. Right. Uh, and um, I think if anything drives people out mm -hmm. of the city, uh, drives young families who really like city living out, Absolutely. it is education. So let's yeah. talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, everybody I know who is leaving or thinking of leaving the city, it is absolutely because of education. Um, they 
maybe make a nice living. They could sustain themselves in the city, in Brooklyn and Manhattan and the other boroughs, um, but they cannot sustain private school for one or two or three kids. And that's really sort of what they think they're going to need to do. Um, I think, and I've written about this in the post, but the real big problem of Bill de Blasio and his education ideas is that nobody feels secure. It could change at any moment. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow, everything can be different. And that sense of unease and unpredictability is just really anti, um, it, it really works against parents wanting to raise their kids in the city. Um, and the idea of like, well, so what? You just didn't get a good school or you, you, you're afraid of your kids not going to a great school and you, um, so go ahead and leave. Um, it's sort of a ridiculous premise because we want people to stay and raise their children here, not just because they have to, but because they want to. So again, in Park Slope, um, the, ki the schools are generally very good. Um, not all of them, but most of them. And the question is also, what makes a school good, mm -hmm. right? I think I, I've been, I, I've been thinking about writing something sort of extensive on this. And so I've been asking people and the, the, answers I've been getting are so on such a vast range um, of answers um, that I you know it really just depends right it's not a, a specific thing for me for example um, test scores matter a lot for a lot of people they don't they yeah. just don't it's like so who cares what the how well how good the test scores are at the school um, the state tests I'm talking about but what, how do they expect to be able to determine whether right. kids are reading? Yeah, well, they're math. like, my kid will do well on this test, and why do I care if... So, like, let's say, like, a bad, a bad school in... Like a really bad school in New York would have, like, a 15% pass rate of the state exams. Well, if your kid's one of the 15%, do you really care? It's That's what the... Yes, <laughs> I do. I do. I, I think that it they... That's not the sum total of uh, what's important to me. I want my kids um, to be challenged. I want them to constantly mm -hmm. be moving forward. Um, the other thing for me, the challenged, I want it to be hard. I don't want my kids to be skating through school, um, just you know, not having to try. Uh, so with the de Blasio um, immediately taking aim at the specialized high schools or the gifted and talented programs in New York, it's, it's a real issue for parents. They um, don't know what to expect, and that's been a real big problem. Mm -hmm. One thing that I've uh, had a theory about um, as I've watched uh, young parents over the years uh, adapt to, to raising children in, in Brooklyn and in New York City more generally, if they can afford or don't want to use private schools, mm -hmm. um, and most people can't, um, then you have to, we do have a great deal of choice now that didn't mm -hmm. used to exist. Right. Um, but the problem is you are constantly making choices. You have to research every step your child goes through, mm -hmm. the preschool, the kindergarten. Yeah. Uh, if things aren't working out uh, or if you think you can do better, you know, get a better mm -hmm. arrangement for the child to go elsewhere, you have to, to, you have to look for another school. Uh, when it comes to middle school, you've got another set of right. challenges and another set of decisions, and then n yeah. uh, not to mention high school. And each of these, I know it sounds, 
it can sound petty to outsiders. So you have to choose, you know. Mm -hmm. But these are very anguished decisions <laughs> because there's sure. a lot of different variables that you're trying to, uh, uh, especially in uh, two, when you're, there are two working parents that yeah. you're trying to figure mm -hmm. out. Uh, and your kids aren't necessarily going to be able to get into right. the place that's going to make your family life easier. Yeah, well, so the middle school... Um, process when you tell somebody outside of New York that your kids have to apply to middle school it's just it's mind-blowing yes. right yeah. um, but beyond that so what happened in Park Slope this is year one of this they took away that application process and now it's all lotto so that's even worse that's uh, to me it's like you really have no yes. idea what to expect yeah. a school that's good this year whatever good means to you cannot be good next year because it's fully lotto so you have no idea you know who's going to end up there or how it's going to end up and um, what the levels are going to be it just it, the, the strict lottery of it is so absurd in fact um, one of the arts uh, arts and uh, music middle schools in our neighborhood no longer can audition kids well, that's it's just, just like yeah, it's just, you know like it has to be lottery because yeah. um, that's fair right uh, so yeah, and things like that, I think, um, like I know so many people that opted out, at, they either sent their kids to private school for this year for middle school or charter schools or whatever, um, just because they didn't want their kids to be the experiment, it, you know, like right. it, it's just, it's one of those things. In fact, um, one of the people, there was a story, I think, in the Wall Street Journal, one of the people who helped design the lottery process, his kid got some school that they weren't happy with and they, you know, oh sent God. her to private school, of course, <laughs> because, look, theory is great. Yeah. But when you get down to your yeah. own kids, it's it's kind of harder right. to live by it. Right. Um, and I'm sure you're familiar with the article that went viral, George Packer's mm -hmm. article mm -hmm. about these, uh, our district. Right. Uh, and the schools there and the problems that he yeah. encountered there. And Matt Walsh as yeah, well. Yeah, he's excellent. Um, but so the Packer article was so interesting to me because I think that he's representative of this um, – you know, class of people who won't admit that they want what's best for their kids. Like, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. For me, just, I guess, being an immigrant, I'm married to an immigrant. My husband was born in Israel. Um, I think we can be so open about the fact that, like, no, I, I want what's best for my kids. And, like, that's it. And it's, I don't feel any shame of saying mm -hmm. that. And I will fight to give them the best situation. And um, I want to improve all the schools. I, I don't want... Um, I don't want to remove the best schools or remove the screens from the best schools because I don't think that helps anybody. Mm -hmm. um, so I think what the Packer article really exposed is that people care deeply about things like test scores, but they can't admit it. Okay. You have to kind of be quiet about it because that's not the, the, the right opinion mm -hmm. um, among, you know, mm -hmm. the certain liberal left. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, you know, and uh, there's a great deal of concern in places like Park Slope about not showing your your white privilege i think immigrants don't suffer from that right well i always say <laughs> that I, even I came, when they're white right <laughs> right absolutely i always say that i came from a you know my my russian community if you're poor you try to seem rich but in park slope everybody's rich yeah. and tries to seem poor like it's really weird it is <laughs> weird know? yeah it is um mm. yeah i thought the article was fascinating and scary um i was I was quite uh, worried about showing it to my daughter and her husband, who have uh, children about to, one child was about to enter kindergarten next year. So, 
um, you know, in District 15, which that's is your the yeah, district, which yeah. is the, mm -hmm. the district in question, um, there's been a tremendous push in part because the uh, parents, uh, the parent population is very liberal, mm -hmm. and for the reasons that you said, very reluctant very to afraid. say to speak yeah. up. Mm -hmm. So they've uh, they're basically being used as guinea pigs to promote. Um, not just socio, you know, socioeconomic integration, which mm -hmm. is fine, mm -hmm. uh, but they've in instituted all these new rules about it. Each of the middle schools is supposed to be 51% poverty. Mm -hmm. uh, now, we'll see how that works. I think right. you were mentioning friends who pulled their kids out of, yeah. out of the public school once. Well, again, maybe it all works out. That's fine. But it seems like such a wacky system yeah. that why would yeah. anybody participate in year one? Um, they had a 7% yeah. drop in enrollment yes, in these middle exactly. schools. It wasn't... Yeah. You know, it wasn't small. Right. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a really tough place to be where if your kid is starting uh, at these schools. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I I've written about this also, but my daughter, my old my oldest child, um, she goes to a gifted and talented citywide school. There's five of these, um, and it's the only K through 12 public school in New York City. Yes. So. When I tell people about her school, like, nobody cares. Gifted, talented, like, they don't care about that at all. They care about K through 12. I don't have yeah. anything else to think about ever again. This is yeah. all they want. They, yeah. All people want is a sure thing for their right. kid. Um, and it doesn't have to be this insanely competitive um, version of that school. It can just be a decent school where right. um, education's taken seriously, state tests are taken seriously, and it, it can, you know, you have no decisions to make. Um, so, yeah. 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 In a neighborhood like Park Slope, even though people do, do try to hide it, they're intensely competitive about their children. <laughs> and um, yeah. uh, they want to be, they want, mm -hmm. they, they want the bragging rights. They also want the kid to have a lot of options. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to just uh, badmouth and I understand the impulse. But there's no question that that competition affects the children tr tremendously. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I uh, read a lot about young people, young, uh, you know, rising suicide rates, self-harm, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Uh, and I don't, uh, you know, these are not all city kids by any means. Of course, right. But I do wonder from what I see um, in an in in upper middle class community like yeah. Hard Slope, uh, what, what we're doing to these kids. The system almost forces you to be fanatic about it because they can't just provide pretty good schools. Right, right. Well, I would say that um, in our situation, my daughter is far more competitive than my husband and I. <laughs> like, this is her own, you know, she was born this way. She, like, it works really hard, and it, the school really fits her. Whether or not it's going to fit my son's remains yeah. to be seen. Yeah, yeah. well, those girls yeah. out there. Right, right. Yeah, she does not play. <laughs> yeah, uh, you do see a lot of uh, very hardworking, very mm -hmm. ambitious girls. That's even, her. Even yeah. as tweens. She's nine, you know, yeah, um, yeah. and she's Absolutely. been this way since she was a baby. Absolutely. So. Um, yeah, the school situation, I don't, you know, I, I think – for the for the rest of the de Blasio tenure, at mm -hmm. any rate, we're not going to see much improvement of anything. Things right. will be getting worse. So right, and I mean the the 
the most amazing thing, of, of course, is that de Blasio and Carranza, his, uh, you know, uh, chancellor, chancellor, his education chancellor, and um, our city councilman, Brad Lander, who is a big proponent of these wacky school changes, they all sent their kids to schools with screens that were majority white, and they had no problem with that at the time. Right. Um, yet, here we are. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of lot of hypocrisy, and uh, yeah. the question, I guess, is at what point people say, you know what, I'm willing to admit this is what I want, and right. I'm gonna, get I'm it. gonna try to get it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, but uh, we may be the last, um, you know, <laughs> the last area that's saying, no, we we can do this. We, you know, right. we're gonna create this utopia yeah. uh, in in Park Slope, and uh, it isn't gonna happen. There's a tremendous amount of segregation mm-hmm. uh, even in a place like a very very liberal place like like Park Slope um, right. and um, you know I've been actually doing a little research on this in, in terms of gentrification um, a lot of gentrifiers uh, say and I think it you know they mean it that they want to be in the city because they like diversity right they like the, right. Excitement, the mm-hmm. dynamism the diversity and I think it's really true but don't um, assume that there's a lot of interaction. There's a lot of what they call micro segregation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. going on, and I think we see that in Park Slope. Too. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah, for so. sure. And I think there's so many easy fixes, easier fixes to the schools if racial or economic diversity was really what they want. Um, Alina Adams, a really excellent education writer, she says that parents will accept racial diversity, economic diversity, they will not accept educational diversity. And that's really that's where where they're going wrong with this whole thing. And I think a lot of it has to do with behavioral norms. I, mean, I think a lot of middle class parents, you know, aspiring middle class parents who want want the best for their mm-hmm, kids, mm-hmm. you know, and want their kids to really achieve are worried about the uh, atmosphere in the schools, um, rightfully worried about it. Um, you know, I think that there are schools in New York City, and I don't think there are many in Park Slope mm-hmm. that fit this description, but there are schools in New York City that are just a little out of control yeah. and where teachers are really having trouble controlling and, and principals are not doing much about it. And right. And I don't think, I think people listening might think it's like that we're saying, uh, you know, that it's about race. It's really not. It's, it's not. It's oh, not. no. No, yeah. no. no we can. I can think of several all-white schools that are, like, out of control. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And, of course, we have charters that are predominantly min- minority. That and, are doing and amazing. They're, and and mm-hmm. they're very capable of being right. disciplined. Mm-hmm. So, and I think a lot, you know, if you're thinking that the race, it's just a racial thing, um, I, I was talking over the, I guess it was over the summer, to a guy from Ghana, uh, who was moving his girls? He, he was a stone worker, a mm-hmm. very, very good one. Um, uh, you know, struggled for years, uh, but somehow put together enough money to buy two houses in Bed Stuy, mm-hmm. which now must be worth a pretty penny. But at any rate, he still was taking his kids back to Guyana. Why? Because he didn't like the discipline of the schools right. that he was finding in, mm-hmm. in Bed Stuy. So. Um, that that is something that uh, parents of all colors and, right. and ethnicities uh, would like to see uh, for their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think that we're coming to an end of this discussion. Anything else you want to add about raising children in the city? Um, not 
that I could think of. I I feel like we covered a lot of it. I you know would like the the idea of my kids are gonna know how to use the subway system in a few yeah. years by themselves, and yeah. um, my daughter already practices her subway face where you have no expression at all, <laughs> <laughs> and teaches my six year old son and you know how to do it. Um, you know this is these are all positives mm-hmm. to me. Um, well, soon they'll have phones and they can look at their phones. Right, <laughs> <laughs> right like the rest of us. <laughs> like the rest of us, exactly. All right, Carol, it's been lovely speaking with Thank you. Thank you so much and, for having uh, me. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us for the weekly 10 Blocks podcast featuring urban policy and cultural commentary with City Journal editors, contributors, and special guests.